On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're taking on a mystery with a twist in the BBC's Elizabeth is Missing, probing the conviction of a possibly innocent man in Apple TV's latest show, Truth Be Told, and finally, by great Odin's raven, we are getting our Norse on for the sixth and final season of Vikings. Oh, Terry looks absolutely distraught by that. Hate crime? Oh, well, hate crime. As this is an audio medium, nobody can see the fact I've got my head in my hands. <laughs> uh, some uh, kind of crime. That was definitely a crime. Yeah. They do all talk like that, though. <laughs> they do. Oh, yes, they will. From Vikings from Wales. Boyd, you literally just did Nessa from Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Now, in honour of the last season of Vikings, you are probably expecting me to press on with some laboriously overblown Viking-themed introduction for everyone. Well, let me tell you, that is exactly what we're going to do. So, to my left is a shield maiden of no small renown, a descendant from the line of Odin and wielder of the sacred Uru Mallet. It is Terry Belensbane. Hello, Terry. Why aren't you Belensbane? Because if I were Belen's Bane, I would be the Bane of Belen's. Whereas oh. I think we've all accepted I am the Belen, oh. therefore you are my Bane. Uh, yes, then I, I concur. Excellent. Uh, joining Belen's Bane and myself is a storied hero of similar renown, whose campaign of terror across Europe is no less legendary, Jarl of the small screen and pillager of reality TV series. <laughs> it's Boyd Ironside. Hello, Boyd. Hi. What's this reference to reality TV? I mean, well, because you watch all that nonsense. Snob. I am a snob. I look down on people who watch reality TV. There, I've said snob it. Bane. I've said it. Yes. Yeah. All your Strictly's and your and your your Bake Offs yeah, and your. Know. Cele- I'm a celebrity. Do something with me in the jungle. Like all that nonsense. I, I've got no time for any of it. We know. Yeah. yeah. It's dreadful. It's oh, dreadful. When there's dreadful. perfectly good dreadful. episodes of The Expanse to watch and people are watching oh, that rubbish. Yeah. Right. What have we been watching this week? Chaps. I resent the term chaps. It, that, that, Terry, was a gender-neutral chaps in the same way that guys has transcended gender to become a general <laughs> oh sort of... Oh, my God, guys. <laughs> yeah, so it's chaps. Um, Non-gender-specific chaps. <laughs> Chapette, if you will. <laughs> Wherever you want. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about The Apprentice because we're not allowed. No, you're not. I, banned, banned, banned. I am, am going to say that everybody is awful on it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, that's it, pretty much. Did you know that the final of The Apprentice, you know normally it's on a Sunday yes. after Sports Personality of the Year. They're not doing that this year because people got so annoyed last year because there was a delayed because Sports Personality <laughs> ran over. So this year they're showing in the traditional Wednesday slot, but before it there's an hour-long Why I Fired Them special and then afterwards there's the You Are... So it's basically two and a half hours of The Apprentice on Wednesday week. That's Just exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> Interviews next, Boyd. Interviews. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Very exciting. But um, I've I've gone down a bit of a Netflix documentary hole actually. So I watched uh, Bikram, mm, which is yeah. the um, it's the documentary about Bikram Chowdhury, who's the hot yoga founder who's obviously been now um, he's not so a hot found, man founder of found hot oh, yoga yeah. not the hot founder of yoga <laughs> yeah. right yeah just because that's yes. a very different documentary just to clarify he founded the hot yoga movement um he is certainly not hot and he's a very terrible human being um, and it's all about the accusations that have been made about him um it ranging from inappropriate behavior to rape essentially with his students um it's 
was. I was watching it on Sunday night for a bit of light relief and that didn't work because it turned out to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly distressing. Um, but it's a really, really good documentary. It's just a really grim watch. And then I watched Evelyn. Has anybody seen this? No, I've seen I've seen of it. Yes, which yeah. is the story of um, a young man who committed suicide and it's basically um, spends time with his family, with his mum and with his siblings. Um, because I realised that I stopped watching documentaries on Netflix and I couldn't really remember why, mainly because we've got so much amazing fictional episodic stuff to watch. Um, so that's so two very depressing, distressing uh, documentaries, if anyone's up for those. Laugh Riot. And another one, that name I forgot, which I watched last weekend, which was about um, two two brothers who were um, abused by their mother. Can't remember the name of it. Boyd, what abuse documentaries have you been watching? Blimey. Uh, no, no um, I've steered clear of those. Um, I've watched new episodes of show three series that I say have arrived too late to be considered among the shows of the year generally you know in lists so hopefully we when, when we end up doing our I'm sure we'll do a look back of the year podcast kind of thing we will I'll be, in fact I will be assembling so, the list for that this week because I mean we talked about it Servant the M. Night Shyamalan show episode 9 mm-hmm. which is the other one he directed so he directed the opener yep. and episode 9 and episode mm-hmm. 9 is called Jericho which gives you a hint as to think it's about the baby what happened to the baby no spoilers is the most tense, almost unbearable episode of TV I've watched this year. It's so excruciating, the keeping you on the edge wow. of sanity. It goes between past and present. It is almost unbearably brilliant, and he and he, it's just incredible that episode. That's exciting. Yeah, because I've I've, so I've saved. <laughs> no, can I just say though, a woman in your condition is bold to carry Aye. watching the show. I'm just as a kind of you know, it's a fucking so much about babies and pregnancy. Well, and I've been watching. I have been, as we know, I've been doing the aversion therapy thing of reading right. and watching as much brutal stuff about okay. pregnancies and babies as possible because then I think I'll be immune to everything. Fine. But case, I've saved on. them all to watch this weekend. I'm oh. gonna, I've got a weekend, um, I've got a whole day clear and I'm going to watch all of Servant in one go. Great treat you go in store there, yeah. Um, and then um, Giri Haji ended in real real time last week on BBC Two and that was fantastic. Got yeah. better and better and better. Final episode is... is it, are, you, are you officially recanting your lukewarm review 100%. of 100%. Well, no, I don't think I was that lukewarm. I was the only one defending it. You really? were a bit like, I think you're yeah, rewriting history, fine. but no, I liked it. I'm pretty sure I liked oh, it. Oh, I see. Now, now anyway, he But I liked it. it a lot more by the time <laughs> I finished it than I did. I would admit that. And that, and Watchmen. They sent a yes. seven and eight of Watchmen. I know. Those lovely HBO people. Yeah, I know those lovely people. Because um, sometimes we complain at, like twats, at privileged yeah. twats, about not being able to see <laughs> stuff. Well, they have sent us the new episode. So seven will have gone out, goes out on Monday. Yeah. Um, so people could have seen it um, today as we speak. as the episode. And it, again, this is another show that has been f- absolutely fucking incredible brilliant incredible incredible absolute mm. classic cast nine classic um and so yeah h- how do we fit these in to already a year of incredible tv we are going to fit them in because the best of the year list is being compiled this week Fine. and they are there in time to feature Good. on it Good. so we can wrangle about that when i you know send them over to you later and yeah. you tell me to take the expanse off it because i haven't seen it yet Yes, we will be doing that. Yeah. Of course, we have to make space for the bloody expanse, which, by the way, we are on the list of for screeners. Yes! Come on. Right. Now, 
what I would like to talk to is I finished the morning show. Uh, Apple were lovely, lovely people and made the whole of the morning show available to us. And I have watched all 10 episodes and I'm embargoed from reviewing the latter ones. Uh, so I can't do that. But I will say, I think this show is magnificent. First of all, it was so compelling. I couldn't stop. Just could not stop. I was completely addicted to it. And the the Me Too subplot, which starts as a subplot and grows and grows and grows, the way that is dealt with is so fascinating and so nuanced. And I, I honestly just hats off to all of it. I think it's great characters with great dialogue and a really interesting treatment I think they deal with the fact that Steve Carell's character in this genuinely doesn't understand what he did wrong and showing the impact of a situation which on paper, not knowing any of the parties, something you might read in the paper, you might think, well, that doesn't sound particularly serious to me. Like, what's wrong with that? But they do a really good job of showing the implications and the impact of things that could easily be dismissed. When you have something like Weinstein, where the accusations and the crimes he was committing were so large and so obviously bad people latch on to that, but I think it's the more subtle offences of workplace sexual harassment and sexual assault that do go dismissed. Like, you know, your Boris Johnson's hand on your knee type thing. Oh, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? And, and, and that nuance, I think, is explored really well in this. And it builds up to, also, it's great showmanship. The finale of this, which I am embargoed from reviewing, all I would say is very good. <laughs> Isn't that technically a review? No, it is simply a feeling. <laughs> um, well, and we were talking about this this week. I'm halfway through and I've got that to finish after I do Servant. I've got the best weekend ever <laughs> planned. Yeah. I'm not leaving the house, clearly. <laughs> but um, the the it's really interesting how it plays with power imbalance versus mm. what you're talking about, James, which is, you know, you have clear... Um, and very apparent abuse, which is um, illegal, which, as you say, is kind of some of the things the likes of Weinstein have been um, accused of. But there's a, there's a real interesting dynamic in this, which is kind of changing times, things mm. that were once, if not acceptable, were certainly ignored and tolerated. The kind of rug pull effect, yes. where people feel that they haven't changed, the world has the changed. The world has changed, mm. which gives them a sense of injustice and that yes. actually there's been, and you see that with Steve Carell's character, which is, he's genuinely going, but this has been okay for years. Why is now suddenly I can't use my position of power to have sex with women? Because yeah. why is that coercive? And why is coercive a bad thing? Because surely it's a quid pro quo. And those those. Kind kind of grey areas to some extent are really really interesting and make for much more interesting drama rather than in many respects something which is quite so black and white because it's actually much more pervasive and much more mm. the this true scale of of me too is actually really about that which is most women have been in that scenario mm. even if they haven't been out and out assaulted. Because people understand sexual assault in terms of physical power yes. but people don't understand that coercive assault can be just as serious. Even if someone's not physically overpowering you there are other ways of coercing people into doing things. I think the show explores it all very well. But also, I should point out the tone of it, you know, it's also really funny in places and it's compelling in places and it's it's, it's just a really, really good show. Watch it, is what I'm saying. But another show which I've seen, which is also embargoed so I can't review it, is The Witcher. Me too. Oh, well, yeah. so I know. we had a, a WhatsApp, <laughs> we have a WhatsApp group for the Pilot TV podcast which is mainly us shouting at each other about screeners. Um, and I sent a WhatsApp 
message last night saying, what the fuck is happening? And then said in brackets, I'm watching The Witcher. <laughs> At which point it was pointed out to me that we're not meant to review it for another month and that we yeah. c- I can't talk about it. Yeah, because it's embargoed until the 20th of December. And that I'd wasted 40 minutes of my <laughs> evening. Wasted, Terry. Wasted or invested. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say the answer to it no, because yeah, that would no. count as a count as as breaching the embargo. Yes. But let me tell you that I am very much looking forward to the week in which we can talk about The Witcher because I think it may take James and I's uh, relationship to brand new highs slash lows. I can't review it either, except to say it is magnificent Dang and I review. love it. Oh my god, boys! Oh my god! Sit on his face! No, don't! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> this I, went in an unexpected yeah. direction. I, I yeah. meant sit on his face to stop him talking. But it, it didn't sound like I mean, that. still on his face at any reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know I, just yeah. to say. Wow. It's hashtag me too is <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying. Um, yes, The Witcher. <laughs> if you are a fan, oh, well. Uh, can I just point out that The Witcher is in Bargo till the day it arrives I know, on Netflix. So I know. I don't know if we're even going to get to review it or not. Because that's oh. the like, our last, last... Moment we'll of work something out because office. I am not not reviewing that. But <laughs> well, you're going to put out your own James's own spoiler special that's review our podcast, last, our last which you're going to record on Christmas Day. Well, we're recording our last podcast on that day, so oh, we should be fine. Whatever, Facebook, so. live. Facebook Live, Facebook Live. James, James, but, James but, in a cupboard, wanking off to the witcher. <laughs> Christ. Um, <laughs> Uh, see, I could make a. There's a well odd gag there, which Witcher fans would really enjoy. But anyone who doesn't know The Witcher won't understand wow. it. We, it's not an EastEnders we, reference to Well Odd the Doc. Yeah, Well Odd. No, he odd. Died. see, yeah. the Witcher. The Witcher does these things called signs, which is oh, type of Christ. magic, and one of the signs is odd, which is a particular oh. sign. A- we a- don't R- care. <laughs> we don't care. All I'm saying. You took that as an I'm invitation to explain. The Witcher is magnificent. So. Uh, and embargoed. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, now that we've got what we're watching out of the way, a word from our sponsor. That's right. This episode of the Pilot TV Podcast is once again brought to you by his darker materials available now exclusively on Spotify. The perfect companion to your what's through of his dark materials, his darker materials, goes through the show episode by episode and has featured such guests as Dakota Blue Richards, who played Lyra in the ill-fated movie, Clark Peters, Lester Freeman himself, who plays the master of Jordan College in the show, and many more. So if you want to get the lowdown on armoured bears directly from the earth sign's mouth, then episode four even features Joe Tanberg, who plays Yorick Burnison himself. The show is presented by the Cinemiles Dave Corky and Empire's very own Helen O'Hara, Moonlighting, away from the Empire podcast. And it is 100% worth a listen. Terry, what would your demon be? Do you mean the animal? Yes. Um, like a small ooh, whippet. Like a ferret. No, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's, from the north, it's got to be a ferret or a whippet, isn't a it? Rabid, well, she's got a pine martin, rabid, hasn't she? Rabid ferret that yeah. like won't leave you alone. And beep, 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 beep. So like pantalima, but much more annoying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boyd, what would yours be? Um, an otter. An otter. An otter. <laughs> oh, okay. Boyd's otter. What would it be called? Herman. Uh, yeah, there you go. Herman the Herman. otter. <laughs> Just let's call him Otter the Otter. Otter the Otter. That, that's not a name. <laughs> Why? That's a, Right, now that we've got that cleared up, <laughs> what everyone... about you, James? What would be yeah. your... What, how do you get out of it? Uh, no, I named my demon oh. on last week's podcast, oh. which I recorded when you were out the room. Go it on. is a small wolf named Claude. 
Oh, you are. So, I mean, in what universe are you a small wolf? I, I'm not a small wolf. My demon is a small wolf. Yeah, but in which no part of you is a small. No, wolf. No, but not like a wolf. Like a small, like a miniature wolf. Like a little, like a, you know, like a chihuahua. When you get the people that carry their like chihuahuas this around in their very in their handbag, this yeah. would be a wolf that I could carry around in my man bag. This if is I the, had a man bag, you don't have a man bag. But if I did have one, I'd have a wolf in it, this and his is, name would be Claude. This is very telling about how you see yourself or parts of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, what would my demon be, Terry? Mm, a giraffe. What? I can see that. Can you know what I'm saying? No. Strutting around pompously. (laughs) Yeah. Looking down on the world. A condescending giraffe would be my demon. Bloody hell. All right, fine. Now that we've got that cleared up, do make sure you listen to his darker materials available now exclusively on Spotify. Right. I believe it is time for some news. What have we got in the news this week? Well, some of the Christmas, most of the Christmas kind of like shows were confirmed this week mm-hmm. by the channel as to, what, as to what's going to be on in the on the during the festive fortnight, as we like to call it in the okay. TV world, from like Christmas period through to New Year. So that we don't know exactly when they're going to be on yet. That gets confirmed next week for those of us who work on uh, weekly magazines involving television. But I can we can say things like the trial of Christine Keeler, which is a three parter, which BBC One will be showing about the Profumo scandal. That will be on at some point. I think just kind of maybe in the middle of Christmas and New is my guess A Christmas Carol the three part that's their flagship kind of three nights in a row drama Stephen Knight's Mm -hmm. his take on A Christmas Carol with um, Guy Pearce and Andy Serkis and Stephen Graham and lots of good people so that's exciting Um, there's a thing called The Small Hand which is a Susan Hill ghost story on with Douglas Henschel on Channel 5 Channel 5 is still doing their um, thing Dracula and Doctor Who are going to be on Dracula and Doctor Who. Now that is a show I would watch. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be one after the other. New Year. Okay. Very exciting. That's going to be. What very the exciting. same night? Yeah, I think Ooh. so. I cannot confirm, but I think so. Pretty on sense. Boxing Day or something. New Year's Day, I think. Ooh. Again, I'm just saying I cannot confirm, but I have a strong feeling in my water that that's going to happen. In your water. In my water. Water. You know this phrase. You know that phrase. No. Oh, in my nanny. What you're weeing news? I'm oh, very I feel confused. It. I feel, it, feel in it in my, my water. water. Yeah. What is this something that only old people do? Like I don't, I've never. Well, my nana used to say it. I yes, most feel it in my water. Yeah. Oh my god, that's such a confidence. I have in my life never ever heard that phrase. But then, didn't I say something in the office the other day, Tara? I said your mileage may vary, and you went, "You are." I don't know what that means. <laughs> and you'd never heard your mileage may vary. Which I think is a very common phrase. Oh, yeah, I've heard that one, yeah. What does I don't that, really know what it means. I can't remember what, what it means. Mean? Yeah. Your mileage may vary. It just means different people may feel about it different ways. Oh, okay. okay. Depending on the route you take, your mileage may vary. Right, okay. Um, and there's a one-off... <laughs> and... What would be... A, what it's would an be... idiom, Terry. You can't take <laughs> it literally. <laughs> what, what would be your usage of it? Just to be clear, my giraffe is glaring down its nose <laughs> yes. at you as we yes. speak. Well, of course I it is. Don't, like, I have a degree in English literature and language. Me, me, so me, don't me, give me, 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 Yes, because well, I know this because you were fucking Sylvia plath explaining to the entire office <laughs> earlier this week and it was deeply tedious. <laughs> Sylvia Plath. <laughs> yeah. It's a long story. But, uh, well, also, I'll just point out, James doesn't know the difference between Keats and Yates. Oh, my God! What to do, <laughs> I boy, can't do you shock to the pool that I don't know the difference between Keats and Yates? I can't believe Yates. I missed this conversation. I said well, Yates has same. a wine lodge and Keats doesn't. What else do you need to know? You know. I think you actually said Keats, Yates, all the same. Yes, that's literally what I said. Well, one of them's Irish and one of them isn't. And when I interviewed Holiday Granger, who has, oh, I believe, an go. MA in English literature, I got the two mixed up. And bless her, she didn't mention it, but clearly wrote me off as a moron. 
Yes. Well, yeah. If she hadn't already. If she hadn't already. Anyway, where were we? Oh, I was going through the fucking... Yeah. Yeah, sorry, anyway, there's loads of good stuff on the Christmas. And Gavin and Stacey, which is going to be for Christmas Day. How did we end up yeah, at okay. Holiday Granger's Disdain Holiday. for James? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Amazing. Right, okay, good. Thank you, Boyd. We have also... Um, the Mandalorian has topped Stranger Things as the number one streaming TV show. Says who? Says... I mean, presumably Disney, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say. Oh, but uh, how do they know? Because yeah. they're not releasing figures, right? You make a very, very good point. <laughs> uh, it's, okay, so a report came out, Business Insider released a oh, report, yes. and it says the Mandalorian amassed over 100 million demand expressions. Now, what the fuck a demand expression right. is, I do not know. But from November 17th to November 23rd, 100 million demand expressions, according to Parrot Analytics, which they could have just made up, easily topping Stranger Things, which accumulated 81 million demand expressions. Yeah, I've read this before because they were doing this, they were extrapolating this across another platform, I can't remember what it was, and they kind of combined some kind of social impressions with and I didn't quite know what this demand think, thing was either, but it's not official f- yeah. viewing figures from the <laughs> The channel. whole thing is just based on the number of Baby Yoda memes out there, I think. That's, <laughs> well. that's the metric that they've used on. They did issue a quote with it saying, while demand expressions is a metric that should not be confused <laughs> with subscriber numbers, this is a strong indication that the Star Wars series is driving a lot of sign-ups to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, no shit. Um, it is worth mentioning, and I've been getting a lot of heat for this on social media about when I talked about well it's like the you know the Mandalorians had very mixed reviews and they're like uh, I think you'll find it is ninety percent on uh, Metacritic uh, and that is of course true but episode one got very mixed reviews and I think yes. that like that yeah you know unarguable um, it's episodes two and three have by all accounts been much better and have received much more positive reviews so I think the show has, has picked up speed as it's gone along what I found really interesting reading these uh, are is um, the reviews of the episode two said oh it was a really short one at, at like half an hour and I was like oh interesting and then apparently episode three was also half an hour so I'm actually thinking assuming at this point it's a half hour show but episode one was a double episode so that's an interesting choice as well like half hour show does mm. not immediately strike me as what I would have chosen for you know a Mandalorian TV series but I then also it's very expensive so presumably it halves the budget but also don't you love I thought you loved a half an hour TV show I love a half hour like I love that Servant is half hour mm. and also because the amount of TV we have to get through I really enjoy a half hour show <laughs> but something like the Mandalorian like when, when that comes I want it to be at least 10 hours an episode like I want this thing to go on and on I and like on I like the varying I like the varying of lengths you don't, I I don't, don't know does it vary I think it's. I think, I think it does. the last two have just been half an hour, oh, okay. and it's only the first one that was longer. So oh, okay. I think maybe it's I just... assumed. I assumed that, but I know I, I like that net, a lot of Netflix shows vary. Yes, like the OA, they had that exactly. twenty-minute episode, which exactly. was mad. Yeah, and Haunting of the House, yes. House of different lengths. Very so I true. like that. And in fact, Servant actually, mm. um, the one I, the, that ninth episode I mentioned, I think is more like forty minutes. So, but this is interesting because then they they use because they have no restrictions mm. in terms of airtime yeah. and in terms of ad breaks, they can just allow it to perfectly fit the narrative yeah, exactly. without having to cut it or bloat it, and that's which that's is great. intrinsically better. Yeah. Yes, it is intrinsically better, completely. Um, anything else? Um, I was reading about Imagine Entertainment, which is the... Um, I keep leaning on my own notebook, let me do that again. Um, I was reading about Imagine Entertainment, which is the um, production company from Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, which is, you know, this... Um, well, they specialise in documentary features and TV series. And I think they've got a f- kind of a first-look deal with Apple, but we're also working with Netflix and Showtime. But the filmmakers they've assembled 
are kind of incredible. So Ron Howard himself is going to be making something, but also Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be um, actually making something, as is Scorsese, which is very exciting. Um, and it's his thing is apparently a 1970s music scene, New York music scene documentary. Obviously, he did vinyl, which was scripted with Mick Jagger. But, I mean, his passion and knowledge of this area and music from that era is probably on a par with his knowledge of cinema from that era. Um so I can't wait to see that. I mean, Scorsese. I mean, imagine being Scorsese, the age Scorsese is. You've just brought out one of the most talked about, you know, massive budget films, doing this massively revolutionary and innovative thing in tech, and then you're just going to go, you know, just going to go and make a massive new documentary on 1970s music. So I'm excited. Yeah, James has no nice. idea what I was. Talking no, that's sorry, I wasn't listening to a word you just said. Because I look also his documentaries on uh, Bob Dylan, yes. uh, Last Waltz, all of those things are fucking brilliant if you like that stuff, yes. as I do, because I am an old white man. Also, I know you two will both be very excited to know that The Walking Dead's latest spin off series has a title. Yeah, Terry? The are you Lying excited? Down Dead? No, it is not called The Lying Down Dead. It is called The Walking Dead colon, World Beyond. Oh, Christ. <laughs> but Julia Ormond's in it. Yes. Oh, that's yeah, exciting. That is, yeah. <laughs> so there's something yeah, for us and something for you. Completely um, change. Yeah, yeah. My so view of it, yeah. Julia Ormond will be in this and she is... Uh, Ormond. What, what? Julia Ormond. <laughs> Julia Ormond. <laughs> Julia Ormond. You've managed to make one of the most wonderful and lyrical and beautiful actresses of all time sound like she works on a market stall. <laughs> What's it? Ormond. 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 Julia Ormond. Sure that's, that sounds a bit like Grace Jones from Boomerang, like you're going a bit... <laughs> Stranger. Stranger. Uh, Julia Ormond uh, has joined the cast as Elizabeth, who has been described as a charismatic leader of a large, sophisticated and formidable force. Mm. There you go. You're going to watch it, aren't you? For Julia Ormond. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh God, there we go. <laughs> not even Julia Ormond. Not even uh, Ormond. So scarred has Terry been by the experience of having to watch The Walking Dead yeah. for this very podcast. Not, we, not yeah, so did, the, the irony is she quite enjoyed all the Samantha Morton stuff. But I don't, and here's the thing. If Samantha Morton alone isn't enough to get me watching this religiously then there is no hope yeah i think that's probably true i i like i i think it is integral to the balance of this podcast terry that our uh, our particular sensibilities are so clearly defined and rigid and unmovable <laughs> <laughs> and that our, that our our likes are so opposite in polarity yes i think it exactly. adds a real flavor to this um do we have any other news i can, will confess i've not seen much else this week can i talk about something that we wouldn't normally talk about are you going to talk about melissa benoist i am yeah good i was actually going to bring that up as well okay so um this is obviously the star of supergirl who put a video on instagram this week announcing that she was a survivor of domestic violence um and she does in the video and we should just put a little warning here that if anyone is is particularly sensitive to descriptions of domestic violence they might just want to skip over this it's quite full on a little bit so she talks about kind of you know being in a relationship with this man i, I presume it's quite some time ago because i think she's now married or she's definitely in a yeah, she hasn't a, named the man no. and she hasn't said when it happened no and she just said he's younger yeah um so she talks about this relationship and and what happened within it 
which was a kind of a typical scene of um, escalating abuse, which began with no abuse and began with control. He was checking her phone and devices and um, kind of making it difficult for her to take roles and auditions because he didn't want her getting intimate with another man on screen or even flirting or kissing another man um, as part of her job. Um, and it escalated from there. I think the first time he threw a smoothie in her face, um, he slapped her, punched her, headbutted her, choked her. The final incident, he threw his iPhone at her face and it broke her nose, um, caused massive damage to her eye, which she said she will never fully recover from and her eyesight will always be compromised. Um, and she uses it as a platform essentially to talk about the fact that in the US, one in four women um, of adult age will be subjected to severe abuse and violence from an intimate partner. In the UK as well, apparently the figure is the same. But in, in the UK, the um, the very kind of uh, shocking number, which I talk about a lot and which I think, you know, is kind of speaks to the epidemic of um, violence against women that we see is the fact that two women a week mm. are killed by an, a partner or an ex-partner. And it was kind of, it's an amazing video, I have to say, like incredibly brave um, to talk in such detail because people talk in generalizations about these things and they kind of um, admit to maybe things that have happened in the past but very rarely do people speak about the incidents and the incidents make it much harder to listen to mm. and much harder to actually get through but actually I always think describing the incidents is important because it gives you a very real it's, it's fairly brutal but it gives you such a real picture on what it's like she talked about how he used to put her in the bathtub an empty dry bathtub after each incident and turn the faucet on to kind of wash away the blood or whatever kind of had happened and would cry next to her and this and the the kind of detail she went into I thought was really important because it gave such a real depiction of of what this is which you know in your head you're like oh maybe it was pushing or maybe it was aggression but when she described you know being choked and having mm. her nose broken and and this scene in the bath it 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 was such a real kind of visceral thing and i think it's really important a couple of people said to me oh i can't believe like somebody like her would be abused in that way which is kind of you know the whole the whole thing about domestic violence is there isn't a type of woman or man who is yeah. abused it is anybody because it's it's about control and it's about psychological manipulation as well as kind of physical um physical attack so i i thought it was incredibly bold of her to be able to do that because i can't imagine putting that kind of trauma out there in such a public way but she did it, she said, to hopefully kind of give hope to other people, speak a little bit about the statistics. She's very clear on the scale of this issue. Um, and also she put out their help organisations for anybody who kind of found themselves in a mm. similar place. It's an incredibly bold thing to do. And also just so important that it sounds ridiculous, but when it's someone like that who plays Supergirl, who plays someone mm. who seems so strong and empowered on television I think it's a really important thing for her to put that message out there so people in these situations feel that they can relate to it and that there's a way out for them as well yeah. and also that people can see the signs because they're all they're, they tend to be red flags these mm. are often escalating events aren't they and she explains it in quite painful detail mm. it's a really really hard watch but I do think people should watch it um, it is if you follow her on social media it's on her Instagram account I believe it's now on her Twitter account as well Yeah. Um, and it's, it's doing the rounds but you yes I would definitely watch that 
Can I just say, I thought this was, I thought Terry Pursuit would be excited by this because the L Word revival has is starting in the States in America and on Showtime this in co- Sunday In the States week. in America. In the States in America. Um, the States of we, America? Or? And we still, I still have no word as when it's going to be shown here. Um, it's Showtime, so Sky should be shown. I think Sky mm. have first option on Showtime stuff, but the reviews are in and they're all really good. Oh. Have you seen? Like, people are really excited about it, saying it's captured the zeitgeist of the net pit of what's going on now with sexuality and fluidity and all of that and gender and that it deals with all of mm. that in an incredibly sophisticated nuanced way and while being interesting and funny mm. and sexy and everything and there's apparently a really quite shocking outrageous opening sex scene Ooh. yeah which something I just think to look forward to I think it's so hard when something like that which captures the zeitgeist in a particular area so in that case in terms yeah. of, of the LGBT community to be able to come back after all those years when the scene is radically different exactly. and the yeah. concerns are radically different and the community looks radically different to be able to recapture that I think is absolutely like one of the hardest things so that is exciting yeah. Is that it for news? Uh, probably. Okay, shall we move on to this week's reviews? Uh, first up this week is Truth Be Told, the latest addition to the Apple TV Plus streaming stable. Uh, this one's based on the novel Are You Sleeping by Kathleen Barber, and it's the story of a true crime podcaster played by Octavia Spencer who begins reinvestigating a convicted killer played by Aaron Paul, who she helped incriminate, but who may turn out to be innocent after all. Uh, it's all very sort of serial-esque, this one is. Terry, what did you make of this one so i'm gonna cut straight to the chase and i was a little bit more lukewarm on this than i expected to be so everything about it sounds great it is it has a definite serial vibe right because mm. there's a, a, a mis- potential miscarriage of justice set up from the beginning um and there are bits of kind of podcast narration which makes it clear that that's going to be kind of the structure of the show is her researching what really happened and reinvestigating this crime and then sharing her finding with this podcast audience which then shares it with us so octavia spencer um does play this true crime podcaster poppy parnell um Um, I mean, Octavia Spencer can do no wrong, let's be frank. She is one of the best actors working today. And actually, her production company was involved, as was Hello Sunshine. Reese Witherspoon is an exec producer on this. So it has kind of incredible weight behind it. Aaron Paul plays this potential murderer, um, Warren Cave. um, And it's kind of a mix of contemporary... uh, kind of scenes where she's grappling with the fact that she may have unwittingly to some lesser or greater degree played a part in him being found guilty and being depicted of guilty of this crime which is a father of twin girls was murdered both twins are played by lizzie kaplan um and then it flashes back to times from the murder and and you start to sense that you know there's there's lots of different kind of dynamics at play there's the twins and where they are now as adult women um there's the mother of um Aaron Paul's character um who is um battling cancer it it turns out and he himself now Here's kind of my, not my issue with it, but the bits that I found less convincing was I was unsure about the dynamic and the chemistry, actually, between Octavia Spencer's character and Aaron Paul's character. Aaron Paul plays somebody who's essentially, you know, had to become a hardened bad guy 
to survive prison. He's been in prison since he was a child, 17 years old. He got sent to like, literally, it's the world's worst prison. Mm. There's like, I mean, it's like a gulag. There's there's like a bit of window at one point. There are big men like jeering. Um, there's all those kind of awful things about a, an inference that, um, yes. there's an inference of, of, of rape and violence and, you know, the fact that he has to essentially become a white side pro- supremacist to avoid being passed around sexually by other inmates um, in the prison. So I found his performance probably the most disappointing of all because he is... I mean, he speaks in this weird Batman-esque whisper. He rolls up his sleeves at one point and shows the kind of um, white supremacist tattoos which he's doing to kind of challenge her. And there's very little for me there's very little nuance to his character maybe that's the point maybe we'll see something more interesting as the episodes go on I watched the first episode I'm kind of intrigued to some degree but I I was left feeling quite flat and I think also part of that is the Apple shows so far I just think have been extraordinary coming off Servant and and the morning show especially and see (laughs) and see Uh, I I just felt slightly underwhelmed by this, I have to say. Maybe it's something where you do have to watch more and I'm definitely going to watch more to see if my interest grows. But I didn't feel... Like, I got to the end of Servant and I got to the end of the morning show and I was like, fuck, I have to watch another episode right now because Mm. otherwise I'm not going to be able to sleep and I'm not going to be able to think about anything else. Maybe that spoiled me, I don't know. But I kind of got to the end and was like, oh, that that was kind of cool if I've got another 45 minutes I'll watch another one but I didn't feel it was quite at the same level as the other stuff we've seen from Apple TV plus so far. I Boy, agree I am mm. in full agreement. I think the problem for me was that the I thought the dialogue was clunky I thought the exposition was really expositionary <laughs> like there were bits you know she, she would say stuff like yes it's that to her to her partner she'd say yes it's that case that I, that I got I, it was all down to me and here's that case you worked on 20 years ago she goes 21 or something like that it's <laughs> like it's really like and there's a lot of like explaining stuff I mean it has voiceover from the podcast that she's making it also has other voiceover which isn't doesn't seem to be from the podcast and it has exposition as well it's like how mm. much of this can you have you managed to work out a way of telling the story without having all of these things that I don't think you necessarily need and I do think for me it's not pulpy enough mm. I think that's why I was so disappointed with it unlike you know Servant for example which is a, which is a, a fully embracing its genre roots and its horror its thriller it's over the top and other shows that I like like you that was over the top this kind of feels like it's going to go that way particularly with Aaron Paul's performance as you say which is out of one which of those is, shows because yeah. it's completely bonkers yeah. fair enough he's been in prison as you say he's been in prison he's faced all, all untold misery and he gets his Nazi tattoos out and all of that but everyone else is kind of a bit downplaying, she's especially muted. her. Yeah, she's she's exactly. Um, so it is odd. And then the scenes exploring her family and friends and that world seemed a bit like from another show as well, a bit to me. So I, I kind of hate that criticism when people say it's totally all over the place, but it is totally all over the place. Yeah. And it wouldn't matter so much if if that made it fun, but it's 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 slightly less fun than I hope. I mean, I will carry on watching it, but. It didn't have that utterly gripping mm. quality that I assumed it would have. Because it's a great idea to explore the it world is. of a crime podcast yeah. and the moral issue about true crime. I mean, this is a massive topic, yeah. really interesting topic. I'm just not sure if this yet has explored it in a way. I mean, you know, there's going to be wherever, 19 episodes, but 
hasn't yet tapped into something that really makes me want to watch it. No, mm. and I, actually, you've hit the nail on the head because the stuff with her family was interesting, but it was very melodramatic, and yeah. there was an interesting dynamic with her father that I was like piqued my interest. But it seemed to have nothing to do with yeah. um, the kind of prison scenes with him were just mad because she was, as I say, she was really muted, and, and it was more kind of mid-level drama, kind of procedurally, and he goes full like you know. I'm in prison. Yeah. Uh, look at my like white supremacist tattoo. Like he's so out there, bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I know, I get that he's meant to be putting on a performance to survive prison, mm. but it feels so laboured and ridiculous. Yeah. And he's better. Like all I kept thinking is he is better than this. I I agree with you to a point. I think I think this is one of those shows where I wish we'd had the time to watch a few mm. of them because I wonder whether or not, rather than it being a bad performance, it's a good performer deliberately putting on a bad performance because that's what the character is doing. He is putting on a bad performance because he is a normal kid, 17-year-old kid by all accounts, who has been in prison for this time. For this, Well, he was a kid when he went into prison. He's been in prison for all this time and he's had to join the Aryan Brotherhood and Everything is front. It all it's all very performance of everything he's doing. But did you buy the front this is the thing, it's like because that that characterization has been done in TV and movies for years, right? Mm. Which is you become a tool of the system. You become blunt and you become brutalized. And that's been done in such interesting ways. And there's something unbelievable about his version of it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I'm 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 choosing to see the light side of this and hoping that it all falls into place as the episodes go along. Because uh, uh, there are lots of things in this which interested me. It interested me that the only witness that put him away, there's a whole thing going on with her and her sister, which we don't really know the details of, which looks like it's going to play out. I was fascinated, fascinated by the fact that Octavia Spencer's father in it appears to be a member of the Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't <laughs> see coming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Mackay Pfeiffer turns up, and I'm not entirely sure how he fits into this either so there seem to be a lot of moving parts which hopefully will become clearer as the show goes along so it seems that there's a lot there's a lot here it's just whether or not people press on with it you know and to find out what that is whether people have the patience to to see it through because it may get better it may not it's very hard to say whereas like the morning show i think is phenomenal c is absolutely batshit and I'm loving every minute of it there have been some like every episode for the last three or so have, have ended with a catastrophic revelation which has changed the nature of the whole show which is incredible honestly I know you haven't watched it but it's amazing you really should um and, uh, and and even for all mankind, which I was very lukewarm on on the first episode, that has built up ahead of steam, and actually that has improved over time. So I'm wondering whether whether this you know deserves a little bit of leeway to see where it goes. But certainly on the on the strength of the first episode, I do agree with you. It's it's not it's not the strongest in the lineup, and it certainly doesn't have what Morning Show and I think C and I think Servant did, where, where it just grabs you straight away and doesn't want to let you go. Uh, so we will see. This is Truth Be Told, and this drops on Apple TV Plus. Boyd, when does it drop? Oh, um, it drops on the... Oh, God. December the 6th. I'll do that again. It drops on Friday, December the 6th. Friday, December the 6th. Truth be told. Next, we have Elizabeth is Missing. This is a 90-minute one-off drama from BBC One and not, I repeat, not a film. Okay? A one-off, 90-minute, same length of the film, same format as a film, it's not a film, or we wouldn't be talking about it. So, this is an adaptation of Emma Healy's best-selling novel about an elderly woman named Maud who sets out to investigate the disappearance of her missing friend, an investigation hampered by her rapidly advancing 
Alzheimer's-related dementia. Boyd, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, um, I was slightly dreading it because not for any reasons, not because it is a film, because it's not. It's a 90-minute one-off TV drama drama does happen in the world of television, as I always reiterate. Never made to be shown in cinemas, so that's what marks it out. Um, But because, and I absolutely love Glenda Jackson, and you know she's a massive hero, and um, just to see her back doing acting because obviously she was a politician for a long time, Labour politician, um, and she kind of hasn't done that much acting, and then she's back in this. The whole thing rests on her she's in every single scene and she's phenomenal why i was dreading is because i have um alzheimer's experience in my family my dad had it my my my, um and quite badly and it's quite an i find it an excruciating thing Mm -hmm. to watch generally particularly in drama i mean it's quite common now to have films and tv shows that are about alzheimer's and people getting dementia and i just like oh god i'm not sure if i can you know watch this thing but and 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 yeah i i was i was intrigued is it going to deal with this in a way that's new and different the book although a lot of people read the book and found it phenomenal and loved it and so kind of it's taking you know the challenge of turning that this much loved book which i haven't read i must admit into a a a tv drama felt like an interesting challenge i think i think by and large it really it really did pull off a lot of it down to the writing and down to her the two things that you know having the idea of her investigating a mystery from her past and at the same time kind of being mystified herself as to what's happening in her present Mm. and trying to sort out for her the mystery of her brain and her memories and of just what the hell is going on in her life while her daughter and her daughter's daughter and her friend are all trying to help and trying to kind of without you know sensitively show her that she is ill and she and she there she has issues with her memory was was really really well done and i man, and and i didn't feel like it was a grueling um too grueling an an experience but it is very grimly deals with that in, in a no-nonsense way is what I would say to people as a kind mm. of, you know, a, a trigger warning. Almost it's a to tough people. watch. A it's a tough, tough watch, watch, but I didn't... But I, I got through and I thought, I'm really glad I watched it because it's, it's really... She is phenomenal. Like, she... Mm. She just becomes this character um, and kind of has to do a lot of quite repetitive stuff really all the way through. Like, she is... She is this... She's constantly veering from kind of being a her actual self if you like and then doing stuff that's really horrible to her family saying Mm. stuff that's horrible being difficult with people and that's because of the Alzheimer's of of what's going on in her brain so she just and I completely forgot it was Glenda Jackson this kind of you know acting icon she was absolutely brilliant I thought maybe it was a bit too long I I did think you know at, at 90 minutes I thought perhaps some of it you know, I thought probably could have been done, I don't know, 70, 75 minutes, but you know, and I felt like it probably been, it felt like it, it had to be 90 minutes long because it's difficult to be, if it's not an hour, it probably would have been too rushed. And at 90 minutes, it's, it's having it in between would have been difficult for, we were talking for TV slots. And I did think it did get a bit repetitive at one point. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, get on with it, get, get, get to the crux of it. But I thought it was really interesting and, and pretty powerful. It's interesting the way it, displays not just dementia but the way people treat people who have dementia yeah. where because she suffers from dementia 
everything she says about anything is basically invalidated by everyone. So even when she's dealing with something real and something serious and she has actual concerns, with evidence, no one listens to anything right. she says. And she's treated like a child. She's locked in. You know, it's that I thought was really upsetting, just showing like, the level of frustration, not just with herself, because her brain isn't obviously operating how she wanted to, but that no one around her will listen to anything she says and everyone dismisses her or puts her to bed and whatnot. And it's, it is, it's, it's the infantilization of, of the elderly. And I think it really hammers that home. And I think more than anything else, I found that so upsetting. Mm. Um, that, you know, the underlying mystery is actually quite interesting and it plays out there are kind of almost three threads. There's sort of what's happening in her life, what has happened to her friend Elizabeth, who is missing. And obviously there's a mystery, there's a mystery from her past as well, which kind of uh, unfolds. So I, I, I like this, but I, I endured it, I think, more than anything else. Like, yes, it was... Whew, it wasn't. It was really, really quite bleak. Yeah, I, I found it quite difficult actually, and and I think there are ch- narrative challenges in those three strands you're talking about, especially bringing the moments of bringing in the past and how it kind of deals with the dissolution of memory, mm. um, and the slight some unreliable narrator stuff going on, which is interesting. Which is you're not quite she'll she'll get confronted with something at the same time you're hearing about it as the audience, and you're not sure if she did do that or say that or if they are as you say just kind of making assumptions because she's Mm. suffering from dementia I thought it was so unflinching in its depiction of of what it does to the individual but then what it does to the family her daughter is played by Helen Behan who I adore who's in Virtues and This Is England and is just a fantastic kind of natural actor and the relationship between them and the granddaughter in terms of you know as you say Boyd like you know she changes personality quite drastically and what it's like in those moments um the detail is amazing like there's bits where she keeps buying you open the cupboards and there's just tin after tin after tin of peaches to try and help with her memory there's these post-it notes all over the house um as you say there's a scene where she is locked in the house for her own safety but it's like her and it, you've got to remember it's actual Glenda Jackson who is mm. an absolutely classically trained phenomenal craftswoman of an actor and it shows because she goes to some pretty intense places physically she kind of really I mean what is she 88 or something, something like, like yeah. she really subjects herself to some stuff she really puts herself through the ringer um, and I think she is phenomenal but as you say the writing as well Andrea Gibb um, uh, adapted this I think worked on the ad- adaptation for six years um, as you say the book was really beloved so I think it can't have been the easiest task at all but yeah I found it quite difficult and I know what you mean about the repetition but in a way that kind of worked for me because it's it really mirrored I think the repetition of yeah, dementia oh, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, like the yeah. sense this yeah. was her kind of groundhog day and the groundhog day for the, those people who were around her it shot beautifully I think we should say it looks absolutely incredible the, the light used in this mm. is phenomenal um, so I think this is I I think this is a, a remarkable piece of work, but I think you really have to kind of prepare yourself because it is I I wasn't expecting it to be as hard as it was really. She's eighty three. Eighty three. Eighty three. I mean, and yeah. as you know, she's down on her knees in the yeah. mud at one oh, God, point. Yeah. She's you she know, is, yeah. it's a it phenomenal a physical physical performance it really really is that is Elizabeth is Missing which comes to BBC One on Sunday December the 8th at a time 9 o'clock at 9 o'clock there we go (laughs) at a time at a time 
Finally this week we have Vikings Season 6. This is the final instalment of the History Channel's Norse drama and, as you will know, in the aftermath of the Battle of Kattegat, Bjorn Ironside is now crowned king and Ivar the Boneless has fled east towards the steppes of Russia where he encounters Prince Oleg of Novgorod. Meanwhile, Lagatha the Shield Maiden has grown weary of eternal conflict and wishes to settle down for a quiet life as we head into the show's final stretch. Terry, I literally cannot wait <laughs> to hear what you thought of this. So, when I come to the podcast every week, I bring a notebook, right? And in this notebook are my notes for each show. So, here's a full page on Truth Be Told. I did Elizabeth is Missing on the Move, and so I wrote it on some record cards. I've got a couple of those filled out. Vikings, I have five lines. <laughs> are, they, are they in Norse glyphs? And I've, I've just written 20 episodes, because I couldn't believe there's 20 episodes of one season. Um, shit Game of Thrones. <laughs> Pretty grim torture scenes, Tarantino, question mark. <laughs> hair, and I can't read the subtitles. Well, they've all got good they've hair. They've all got good hair. And I can't read the subtitles because they've put, uh, oh, yeah. points, they've put the watermark yes. of point so name over yes. the screen. Yeah, that was annoying. So, There's a watermark. Oh my please, God. TV companies, again, you know, I mean, first world TV critic problems. But be aware there is a watermark. You've put the watermark halfway across the screen. We can't see subtitles at the same time. It's impossible. So I... I mean, you know, often when we watch something kind of mid-run and if we haven't watched all the previous seasons, it can be difficult to penetrate and it can be difficult for us to understand what's going on. I could not tell you <laughs> one thing about what happened in that show. I spent ages Googling it afterwards and reading about it. Still none the wiser. I read a thing that said, here's what you should read before you try and watch season six. I didn't understand any <laughs> oh, yeah. of that either. It was either. a big old slab of Norse history. It's absolutely fucking nuts. It's like there's a man who gets ripped limb from limb. Yeah. It's grim. There's a weird paragliding it's, sequence. Yeah. The whole thing. That was, I was the highlight. Like, it was like a fucking fever dream of madness. <laughs> and I was like, and I did turn around in the office and went, oh my God, James washes some shite. <laughs> I, all I can say, because I can't even review this because I don't possess a basic comprehension of what happened in the show. What I will say is, if you have never watched an episode of Vikings before, do not try and watch season six because you will have no idea what is happening. However, if you have made it this far, you are clearly of a certain mindset and I'm sure you will really enjoy season six as well. This is a lot how I felt when I jumped into Gamora and I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> Let's be honest though, right? Can we just say, the only reason we're reviewing this effing show, <laughs> I'm back to saying effing rather than fucking, I don't know why. Um, people were loving my swearing in. I have a lot of complimentary tweets and really? messages about oh, I've, I've you bleeped say, out your C words yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, the only reason we're reviewing this fucking show is because The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season 3 is embargoed right close up to its arrival yeah. this Friday on the 6th so, so they did give it to us but, but we, we can't, can't review, review it, it. Well, that's not the only reason. James was also lobbying the entire time, <laughs> well, yeah. going, that's there's true. a, I think you'll find. There true. are loads yeah. of fans, millions of yeah. fans. Yeah, but can, my message to Amazon Prime Television is, because they're both on Amazon Prime Television, mm. aren't they, in this, in it, the Vikings in the well, UK, yes. in the UK, is, you know, what's the point of having an embargo so close to the start of Mrs. Maisel? I mean, what what is the point of that? When it, the whole point of Mrs. Maisel, it's a really good show, and the more good reviews it's going to get, the more people will be interested in watching it, where 
Whereas this show, which is shit, <laughs> by the way, is like you're letting us watch this thing where at one point, my the low point for me was, I mean, I, of course I didn't understand any of it either, but I studied that catch up there's the opening there the, yeah. it's catch up yeah. i had to go back and watch that about five times and that kind of helped a bit but the the nadir of the whole thing was the scene where the people are trussed up in this thing and like oh my float, god yeah, like a floating yeah. above the, the air in a kind of some kind of thing they're like rope tied hot up in ropes balloon. in a hot air balloon and they're yelling and screaming and kind of enjoying it was so annoying just fundamentally annoying and went on so long it was like oh I couldn't bear it it was unbearable it was more excruciating than the dra- like a 90 minute drama about Alzheimer's that I found difficult to watch <laughs> this was really painful it was like you know those um, documentaries those reality shows in Ayanapa when two lads yeah. get pulled behind a speedboat with some like big thing attached to the back of them and yeah. and roll around screaming yeah. vomiting cider on themselves it was like yeah. a Viking was, yeah. version yeah, of that yeah they were having a great time apparently being tied up with this thing uh, it was ridiculous and it is yeah I mean it has, it's so obvious thing to say but it's so true it's just sub sub Game of Thrones isn't it it's like clearly one of many shows that wouldn't only have been made had they've the made thing Game of Thrones am I wrong is that not is that not is that it's unfair? a little unfair it's the a little explaining unfair. So... is about to begin <laughs> so obviously Vikings has been a huge hit for the History Channel and when it started it was around Travis Fimmel's character Ragnar Lothbrok who is a historical character and it loosely based itself around his life. So it was kind of historical-ish, which actually made it quite uneven because you had these really weird time jumps because certain things happened in his life at certain points and not a lot happened at other points. <laughs> and they invade Paris and all sorts of stuff goes on. But the core of this show was Fimmel's uh, Ragnar Lothbrok, who was a really charismatic, great character. His brother was in it. He wasn't as good. But also Lagatha the Shield Maiden, played by Catherine Winnick, who you saw in this, who now has grey hair, which is supposed to indicate that she's an old woman, even though she's still in her 30s. <laughs> now, the approach this show has taken to ageing has been quite baffling because it's not in real time. Like, like decades go between seasons, and yet the characters never age. But anyway... The problem you have is that, that, so I watched the first four years of this, and then at wow. one point, Rag, what? I watched four years that of this, incredible. that's a lot of episodes, but... You really like Travis it, No, the first season was great, and it had Gabriel Byrne in it as Jarl Borg, and um, the second season of this was also really good as well. The third season, all the stuff with Athelson, the priest, when that all went a bit, tits up, it started to go a little bit odd, and then they were partly hamstrung by the historical records of what happened in Ragnar's life, and partly, like, it didn't have a coherent narrative to it. But I pressed on with it, because he was a really good character, and it was quite fun. I think when Ragnar left, and his sons, specifically in the Ivar the Boneless in it, when his son <laughs> took over, I just, a lot of this show's appeal, which had been waning, was lost for me. So, on season five, I just bailed. I thought, I cannot be asked with this anymore and I do think this show is past its sell by date I know it still has a lot of fans people do still watch it but I do think its best years are well and truly behind it if you have watched up to this point then you know this is the last season go nuts and you know there's going to be a spin-off show anyway so you'll probably want to watch that as well but I do think you know if you have lapsed in your Vikings watching and you're wondering whether this would be a time to come back I'm going to say <laughs> no that paragliding sequence is as shit as Boyd and Terry say it is it's dreadful and this whole episode episode was just quite tedious and not a lot happened and like the amount of people who've taken over Kattegat and crowned themselves king and you get these sort of like mead hall scenes of Vikings yelling at each other it's just honestly it's just not as good as The Last Kingdom 
If you want a Viking show, <laughs> watch The Last Kingdom. It's just better at this point. Loads of talk. I like way more talking than I expected. Yeah. Like way more yes. tr- attempted reading of and, subtitles. Uh, in, and in, yeah. Talking and torture. The torture is unnecessary. Oh. And this show has had some really nasty sequences in it. But it's just, it's uncalled for. Like there's just not a lot going on. And at this point, I was just finding it hard to care about what's happening to any of them. So even... I, who am, you know, quite warmly disposed to a bit of Norse bloodletting, I was like, no. Even I. None of this. None of this. I'm not having it. My giraffe is not having it. And while your mileage may vary, you probably won't have it either. Christ. Have you ever watched Nightfall, the, the History Channel thing about the knights with Tom Cullen from... No, I haven't. You see, that's better. Is it? Say. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, t- a kind of decent show. I watched a couple of episodes because, you know, and it's, it's, I think it's better than this. Basically. But you don't get to do the Norse voice with that one. Well, no, obviously, but you get to... Yeah, <laughs> thank God. It's a relief, frankly. Well, that's Vikings. That is the sixth and final season, which drops on Amazon on Thursday, December the 5th. And as we've mentioned, also out, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is, I believe, season three, Boyd? Yes. Season three, which also drops on Amazon, but this one on Friday, December the 6th. Pick of the week for this week. I mean, it's clearly Vikings, isn't it, Terry? <laughs> yes. No. No. Uh, truth be told, maybe. Elizabeth, Elizabeth is, is, is missing, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'll carry on watching. Also, Elizabeth is missing yeah, is a one-off 90-minute yeah. show, so you're not committing tens of hours to it. So, no. All right. Good. So I would say watch Truth Be Told, but watch all the other Apple shows first. <laughs> now, now. Oh, yeah, what? Well, in place again. Well, I'm going off piste again. Oh, so oh, now would be mean? the time when we have the Banshee segment where, you know, we dig out an old show, dust it off, and, you know, polish it up for people's uh, enjoyment. But I'm not going to do that this week. I'm not. Instead, I'm going to do you, Terry, and you, Boyd, and all of our listeners a favor because next week marks the triumphant return of none other than The Expanse. Now, I'm not going to Banshee The Expanse because The Expanse is still on, therefore is ineligible for a Banshee. So what I'm going to do is bring you two up to date. So you are going to watch The Expanse this week to review, but you won't know what it's about. And I don't want you to relive your Vikings experience. So I am going to give you a quick Expanse primer. Oh, Christ. You ready for this? You could have pre-warned <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> As usual, it's the first we've heard about Of course it, it is. Now, for you our listeners... Got any <laughs> for our listeners, if you have not seen The Expanse and you plan to watch the first three seasons and wish to not know what happens in them... Because why wouldn't you? Then yeah. skip this bit. I will put the timestamps for this in the description. However, if you are already up to date, you will already know this. And if you are not, but you plan to jump in, uh, then this might be helpful. And if you just don't give a shit, then just press on regardless. Okay? You ready? Expansplanation begins. Okay, so, season one. It's the distant future, and humanity has colonized the solar system, and they split into three distinct factions. There's the bureaucratic Earth government, the militaristic Martian Republic, and the Belters, who are this ragtag collective of workers born in the asteroid belts of the outer planets. Terry, put down your phone and listen. This is for your benefit. I'm trying to video you. Fine. Uh... When a Belter ship is destroyed while responding to a mysterious distress call, its executive officer, Jim Holden, played by Stephen Strait, and and his engineer, uh, Naomi Nagata, who's Dominic Tipper, their mechanic, Amos Burton, which is Wes Chatham, and uh, their pilot, Alex Kamal, which is Kaz Anvar, they're the only survivors. And they hijack a Martian gunship, which they dub the Rocinante. So when they refer to the Rocinante or the Rossi, they mean their ship, because that's what they called it. Right. Why do they call it that? I can't remember. It's, 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 it's the name of a plant or a tree. or Anyway, it, it, there's a reason for it. It's in there somewhere. So, the band set out to unravel this conspiracy which has led to the attack. 
Okay? Now, meanwhile, on Sirius Station, a police detective named Josephus Miller, who's played by Thomas Jane, he pursues the disappearance of a missing woman. And the investigation kind of converges with that of the Russell crew, and it culminates in this discovery of a plot to ignite war between Earth and Mars and the existence of the proto-molecule. Okay? You'll need to remember the proto-molecule, which is a terrifying extraterrestrial biological weapon. Yeah? Okay. That's season one. Okay. Season two, tensions escalate between Earth and Mars, and they leave the UN executive Christian Avasarala, who's played by Shorey Agdashalu, desperately trying to keep the system from falling into war. Now, the crew of the Rosinante take part in an, in an elaborate effort to eradicate the proto-molecule by hurling a giant Mormon spaceship at it. That is absolutely true. A Mormon generation ship, and they throw it at a space station to try and... Uh, Why is it Mormon? Because it's run by Mormons. It's like the Mormons are going on a pilgrimage in this big ship, and they nick the Mormon spaceship and they throw it at the proto-molecule to get rid of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but only for Naomi Nagata, yeah, the engineer, only for her to confess that in a bid to balance power in the system, she has given the bioweapon to the belters. <gasps> what season are you on, by the way? This is season two. It's two? We're only this is at two? two? Yeah. So why did she do that? To, to, so that the Belters have access to weapon because she was like, well, Earth has the weapon, and they think like Mars has weapons. So if the Belters have the weapon, it will balance power in the solar system. And Does she's that a just Belter. Create a bigger war. Sure, I'm not saying it was the best idea ever, and they're really okay. pissed off with her about it because she's having a bit of a thing with uh, with Holden, and and it puts st- uh, a real strain on their relationship. Mm. Yeah. And Fred Johnson, who's uh, not the most science fiction name, but Fred Johnson, who's kind <laughs> of like, uh, he, he's he's sort of, uh, he's head of a station, but he works part of the Belters, but not uh, Jared Harris, who is another sort of Belter faction. They're kind of at odds, but let's not get into the politics of it. Uh, he is the one that she gives the protomolecule to. Right, which takes us to season three. Now, in season three, the war between the factions goes nuclear, and I mean that quite literally, because people are hurling nukes left, right and centre, and the protomolecule reaches the next stage in its evolutionary process and creates well first of all there are there are sort of protomolecule humans so like they're like almost like extraterrestrials but they turn up before but it creates a strange ring in space like the halo in halo but not okay and earth mars and the Belters race to be the first ones to secure the ring, and they end up going into the ring. And in the ring, it's all like it, there, there's like a there's like an intelligence at the center of the ring, uh, 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 in the sort of the, the sort of station at the center of it. And this intelligence has apparently been left behind by a now extinct species, and it considers them a threat. And you think it's going to kill them? They manage to convince it that they're not a threat, and it lets them go. But when it lets them go, it activates other rings in a thousand different star systems, which has opened the way now for exploration of the whole galaxy. So up until then, it's all been in the Earth's solar system, and now, because of these rings, they can travel all over the galaxy. And that was the end of season three, which leads us into this season, season four, where it's a whole new chapter for humanity, where all three factions are set out to chart the vast new frontier of space through these gates, and now that the show has hopped from sci-fi to Amazon Prime, they can all fucking swear about it as well, which makes it even better! And that is The Expanse in a nutshell. So how are you feeling? Are you feeling, are you feeling, you know, primed? Are you feeling ready to pick up season four of The Expanse? I'm feeling not surprised that you're single. <laughs> you're saying that my, my chat of proto-molecules has not swept you off your feet. Can I just say, if there are any ladies <laughs> listening to this... Who, not um, anymore. <laughs> who are after, like, a peak geek, um, James has never been more peak or more geek, so uh, get in touch via the usual methods for uh, some kind of geek action. 
what just happened? I, I've explained to you a popular television show. I mean, also, you could have told me so that I didn't have to try and find a banshee, first of all, you know, work ruined. <laughs> no, I mean, but, you're so <laughs> selfish with your fucking, your little, you know, your no consult, consultation. Would you like to do your banshee? No, voice? I'm going to save it. You save it for next week. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to prepare for next week. Well, it's right, easy. Yeah. You've not anyway, wasted. I just realised that Brian McFadden out of uh, Boyzone just tweeted me. So that's quite exciting. Why? Because I did something about the new Arsenal manager. It's a big day today because Arsenal have got a new manager. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Speaking a foreign language know, to him, I he's like, "Who is the Brian yeah. McFadden?" So I posted a picture of our new interim manager, who is very sexy and hot. And Brian McFadden, I've just realised it was him out of fucking boy zone. It's tweeting me about it with a funny, a funny tweet of the picture of someone who is not the manager. It's a football in joke, but there you go. So, so you have derailed my explanation yes. to talk yes. about your latest yes. celebrity yes. friend, who's yes. been recruited in real time <laughs> yeah. while we've been recording the podcast. Exciting, yeah. You've probably never heard of him. I have never heard, heard of, of boy zone very vaguely. Oh, have you heard of Kerry Katona? Yeah. Name rings a bell. Who is she? (laughs) (laughs) She was in Atomic... Presumably not in Boyzone. She she was in Atomic Kitten. He was in Boyzone. Westlife. Westlife. Boyzone. Boyzone. And um, they got together, but had quite a difficult time and had some kids and then they Mm. divorced. um, And he then went out with Delta Goodrum. Who? um, Singer. Neighbours. Um, and they broke up. Uh, now I think it does he go out with Miss Ireland or something? Maybe, yeah, yeah. And he was in Big Brother, wasn't he as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's lots of things that you have no interest or knowledge of. Yeah, in or knowledge. Well, of. thank you. After this, oh, no, he was um, in Westlife. You're right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he confusingly his Twitter bo- profile so, looks like it's called it's called Boys Life. So that's think, because they oh. they launched a new group, which right. is a hybrid. So hang on, of West yes, Life and you're Boys right. Zone. So hang on, he's not in Boys Own at all. No, he's in he's in West Life. But he's, he's, Terry's right. Terry, finger on the nub of pop culture. Yeah, they, they Boys Life. Is this like McBusted? Yes. Like a, like yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Like now you're excited. Finger on the pulse. Now you're excited. After um after this podcast record, we're going to go upstairs. That's not that weird. We're going to go upstairs back to the office, and I'm going to put on some Atomic Kitten for you. Oh yes, I cannot that'd be great. Wait. Yeah, and the, well, she was good. only in it for a while, um, and uh, there's there's kind of rumours that she didn't really sing. But but that aside, we'll put on some atomic code. Mm. Yeah, well, this has been an unorthodox end to the podcast, <laughs> but sure, why not? Uh, you started it with your expansive thumb. Fair enough. And that is it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. We do so hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us an early Christmas present of a five-star rating and then recommend the show to five of your friends as well. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Boyd Hilton, at Terry underscore White, at James C. Dyer, but not on Facebook because, well... Fuck those guys. Uh, we'll be back next week, so do mark it in Instagram your calendars. Instagram is owned by the same people as Facebook. Huh? Instagram <laughs> is owned by the same people as Facebook. Instagram is owned by Facebook. I did know that, actually. <laughs> I did know that. Okay. Well, okay. Well, fuck those guys to an extent. Like, to a, to a, like, like, fuck them up to there and then just go on Instagram anyway. Fuck them apart from the one platform we don't quite mind. Yeah, exactly. God. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week unfortunately for everyone <laughs> unfortunately for everyone but do mark it in your calendars now because a week from now we are all going to get our expanse on and it's going to be glorious remember the cant belters unite pilot out pilot out